Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Prevention 365 Podcast. Prevention is every day and every way. This is your host, Carol Almeida. And for, day, and for today, we have the second episode of our mini-series under Prevention 365, which is what it means to love. And today we will talk about how kindness can transform people's lives. And I am proud to introduce to you our guest. He happens to be a friend, actually my husband's high school classmate way back in the Philippines. So we're actually talking here about a friendship of more than 50 years. And he also serves as a lay person for the United Methodist Church. That, I think, is his way of serving people and serving his community. May I introduce to you Mr. William Lasarte? Hello, William. Bill, for short. Yes, hello. Yes, Bill. Today we'll talk about acts of kindness and how kindness can transform or change lives. So without much ado, I will ask you a question. The first question would be, what were your experiences that taught you the meaning of kindness? That's a good question. I am my life experiences that taught me the meaning of kindness. Um, like you mentioned, um, where I'm originally from the Philippines, where uh, your husband, uh, Toti Romeo, was my classmate in high school. And um, I grew up in a working class neighborhood. Okay, the neighborhood I grew up in is called Binondo. And that is somewhere in between the Manila North Harbor and the Manila South Harbor. So that in that working class community, uh, most of the workers were stevedores. And um, a lot of the people also in the, in the neighborhood were jobless. You know, so um, it just so happens, uh, I did not grow up rich and uh, the family was not wealthy. But like most Filipinos, we grew up in the neighborhood very close to the members of the family. I lived just a few houses from my grandmother's house. And um, at that time, my, my dad's brother, his younger brother, my uncle, uh, was working in the Manila North Harbor. And actually, he started as a, as a leader uh, of a, a gang of stevedores. Uh, you call them uh, in the port um, terminology, you, call, you would call him a gang boss. Okay, so uh, that's how he started. But then through probably hard work and his good people skills, he's 
he became a a labor leader and then he became a contractor uh, so he had people working for him when i was growing up and my grandmother had this sort of a, a catering business so she would cook meals two times a day and um, then those meals will be packed um, and then brought to the port to the pier in North Harbor and given to the laborers, the, the laborers that worked for my un- uncle for a small fee. So they had warm food to sustain them through their labors for a small fee, of course. And um, so that's, that's the environment I grew up in. I, I, as a young kid, I was always at my grandma's house and of course, uh, I'd like to always say that um, when you were in grandma's house, um, there only uh, when she was uh, when she was doing her chores, cooking the meals, you had only to remember two things: you tried to keep out of the way, and you tried to keep ready to help when she says, "Okay, oh, go pick me that rag or go pick me that utensil," you know, stuff like that. And then, um, but one thing that stuck in my mind and still with me today, uh, because we lived in this working class neighborhood, not not rich, uh, we were poor, and um, we were very close to a shanty town, you know, the uh, the slums of um, Benondo, and uh, right across from my grandmother's house, there was this big house owned by a Chinese scrap metal dealer. Okay, so he lived on the second floor, I suppose, uh, I think. And then this, his first floor was an open floor that served us sort of a junkyard. And in front of that junkyard every day, there would be a man sitting uh, there just doing nothing. He was just sitting there. But that man was just sitting there because he was sick. He could not work. He had TB. He had tuberculosis. So one thing that stuck in my mind and still remember to this day, every day my grandmother would prepare the meals for the laborers that my uncle had. And before the meals were uh, were put into the vehicle, the jeepney that would take them to the port, my grandmother would hand me one packed meal and she would say, take it to that man across the street. That to me is the lesson of kindness that I've never forgotten. I grew up in in a family that went to church regularly and that's, uh, we were Protestants. My grandmother's family uh, on the Lazarte side we're all Protestants. And um, we went to church regularly. And, um, but my grandmother, without even preaching a word to us, her grandchildren, she showed us the value of kindness. She showed us the value of taking care of people who were not able to take care of themselves. So that's one of the, the most um, memorable things 
that sticks with me to this day on what kindness is all about. That leaves me speechless, Bill. Vivid, vivid acts of kindness. I mean, people may read the Bible all day, all their lives, but this types of storytelling and this types of account will really leave people with a lot of lessons. I mean, you don't need an education, I would say. You need not know how to read and write, but they are imparted to you and it stick into people's consciousness. Best teachers experience is the best teachers. Yes. Examples is the best teacher. <clears throat> yes. Um, also, my, my mother, like I mentioned, uh, we were Protestants, but my mother grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, I would say um, my mother did not even get to step into college. She just uh, finished high school, um, probably shortly after the war, the Second World War. And um, so for a lot of um, educated folks, you might call that low education, right? But the other thing that I remember also is in our households, we always had people hanging around. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure a lot of us uh, Filipinos of our age would have uh, experienced that kind of thing. You know, in the neighborhood where we live, like I said, a lot were just stevedores, a lot were, uh, did not have real work. And especially a lot of the women folk were just plain housewives. You know, but um, I would say growing up, I would always um, notice um, women neighbors coming to our house and talking to my mom. And I did not realize until very much later that they came to our house because sometimes they would borrow money, you know, and sometimes they would just need a, a willing ear to listen to their stories, you know. Um, of course, a lot of us would call that gossip, you know, sometimes. But um, that's what she was. She, she was sort of a mother hand to the neighborhood. And then um, there would be those folks, um, young men, um, who would be just, you know, we, we call them in the vernacular canto boys. Those, uh, those young men that did not have work, who were just hanging around the corner. But there would be one of them that I remember, there's one of them that I really remember, who were close to us. He was not family. He was not family, but he would just do odd jobs for my mom and for my dad. They would take care of me. They would take care of my brothers and sisters. He would sometimes... Um, when, when my dad started having a jeepney, 
uh, a jeep actually of his own then he would drive the jeep for my dad to take us to school or pick us up from school you know he was not really a relative uh, but he did that because um he he ate with us you know as and my my dad would give him money for the services he performed and you know what that relationship lasted for me my my generation in the family my children and even my first grandchild that guy took care of us you know and, and that's that sticks with you you know when when you see that you that your family your the household is able to develop those kinds of relationships and it doesn't have to to be a blood relation as right. he said right. yeah right. yeah he's a neighbor you know? yeah yeah but he's a neighborhood guy so we see yeah. here the value of community Yeah. Right? The value of community, the value of the neighborhood. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um so I would say that uh my second question um William if uh if I may ask you so this is more of like let's say synthesizing the the concrete experiences and the concrete examples you provided us the mm-hmm. stories that you provided us about your family about your neighborhood i would ask you in what way can kindness be an expression of love well i'd say definitely kindness is an expression of love uh, i'm sure a lot of us would be very familiar with that uh, bible passage uh, that almost everyone knows as 1 Corinthians 13 this is where the apostle paul talks about uh love talks about when he says um even if i speak with tongues of men and you know and of angels but i do not have love i am nothing i'm just a a clanging symbol and a gong you know a noisy gong but um he says if i had all knowledge and even all faith so as to remove mountains i am nothing i accomplish nothing you know and then he goes on to describe he says what this love is all about he says love is patient love is kind so mm-hmm. there you go uh love is kindness um like i said i grew i grew up going to church regularly so uh i'm i'm sort of more familiar with this uh, stories in the bible when when jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment his answer was the greatest commandment is to love god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself and that is kindness loving neighbor as ourselves is real kindness and um, we see that in the example that Jesus lived he he crossed boundaries he went everywhere uh spreading not just 
telling uh, things about love, but showing his mm-hmm. love for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, you just don't talk about kindness, right? But you practice it. And with your response to the first question, Bill, you have really provided us with rich, concrete examples of what that biblical passage is, as in love thy neighbor, right? right? As yourself and as you love God, you know? So if you love a God, you know, if you love Jesus, then you practice kindness. So moving on, how will you impart? This time, uh, Bill, it's more of imparting the value of kindness to people. Well, I think you just mentioned it yourself, right? Um, We... It's not just about um, teaching or saying things about love and kindness. Um, It is often attributed to St. Francis, um, the saying that goes, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words, right? So how do we preach the gospel? How do we show kindness? It's not about speaking about it. It's living it. It's Mm. demonstrating it. And that is a part of preaching the good news, uh, the good news of the gospel. It's you can preach the gospel without saying a word. It's, and it, it can be as simple as smiling at a stranger, you Mm. know, it can be as simple as holding the door for somebody, you know. It, it's, it's those things that require no words really, but are potent examples of showing how you value another human being. Yes. It's as, um, as I would as I would paraphrase what you said William I mean you may not speak or you may not use the word love but if you demonstrate it and if you show love people will understand and people will feel it right 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 Right. yeah so Final question, Bill. Oh my God. I mean, thank you so much for giving a part of yourself, you know, <laughs> to this podcast. You know, it's uh, as I've said, oh, I want to talk about love. I want to talk about kindness without preaching, right? I mean, without preaching, but but I have I have to hear people people's experiences. And I think you are the best choice, Bill. You are the best teacher. So final question is, based on your personal outlook, do you think 
people or society can change for the better through acts of kindness. How can they not? <laughs> you know, um, it, it, we've, we've always heard the, the, the cliche, you know, love is the most powerful force in the universe. You know, um, coincidentally, like you said, um, I'm the best, I, I'm, I'm not even sure I am the best example. It's just part of my job, uh, the way I look at it. It's just part of um, how I live as a believer in, in God, as a person of faith. So um, how, how can kindness change people or even the world for the better? There's no way around it. If we commit um, and uh, if everybody commits to a life of kindness and a life of love, you know, I don't think there's any uh, power that could resist that. Um, I was just listening to um, a podcast, another podcast, um, Bishop Michael Curry of the Episcopal Church. You know, Bishop Michael Curry, um, I don't know if you will remember, he is the priest, he's the bishop who um, married um, Megan and what's his name? Prince Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's that Episcopal priest. Uh, he's, he's a bishop now. And um, um, in, the, in this podcast, he, he was basically also talking about that subject of First Corinthians 13 and uh, the, the, uh, the chapter on love. We call it the love hymn. It's, we always encounter that in weddings, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, Bishop Curry was uh, telling the story about how another Episcopal priest Desmond Tutu Ooh. of South Africa. Yes. He said Desmond Tutu popularized a West African concept uh, of love. And it's called Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. U-B-U-N-T-U. -U, Ubuntu. Okay. And um, Michael Kerr says, I think he says, uh, I think Desmond uh, and I think Desmond Tutu referred to it as the reverse of the uh, concept that Descartes taught. You know, remember Descartes, the philosopher? I think, I think therefore, therefore, I am. am. Yeah. In Ubuntu, uh -huh. it is the reverse. I am because we are. You know, that's, that's, that's a beautiful concept. And when when everybody commits to that uh, concept, believing it and living it, I am because we are, that means we are all interconnected. That means we all depend on each other. That means the, the advancement of one is also our advancement. That means, um, that means, in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., you know, uh, if someone hurts 
everybody hurts. Mm-hmm. And if someone progresses, then everybody progresses. So in that sense, um, kindness, in that sense, love uh, can transform everything. When I love, everybody loves, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a... It is not an easy concept. It maybe because it sounds very simple, and um, and and really, it's very hard to do on a very personal level. <laughs> you know, uh, I always in when when I'm in discussions with members of our church, I I, I always go back to this. Uh, Charlie Brown says, "I love mankind." It's people I cannot stand. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it is it is sort of a very uh, lofty concept to love mankind. But then it has to translate into loving people. It has to translate into how we live personally. And I believe it's not just a matter of loving our fellow men. I believe it is a matter of looking after our environment, being concerned, especially with climate change, being concerned with with the well-being of our planet. And um, that, I think, uh, that kind of love, the love that encompasses everything, uh, no matter how hard it is, if we commit to it, we can transform the world. And it can also apply to public health, Bill. Right. You know what? <laughs> uh, uh, coincidentally, because um, you know how I got started into um, into this uh, thing of being a communicator. Um, when I was very, very young, just out of high school, I got involved with um, in. That was in the early 70s in Manila. There was a priest, um, a Lasalet priest, and uh, he eventually left the priesthood and married his assistant. But uh, his name is Bob Garon. Bob mm. Garon in Manila started the Dare Foundation. Yes, Father Bob. I yes, know Father Bob. Yes, you Father know, Bob. I was among the earliest volunteers in Father Bob's Peter's Bureau. Oh my God. Talking about the dangers of drug abuse. Oh my God. Their foundation. I clearly remember it. That was part of our childhood. That was part of our youth, you know, a salient part of our youth, Bill. <laughs> They taught us, uh, what, drug prevention, right? Right. Yeah, their foundation was Drug Abuse uh, Research Foundation. Yes. That's what he started, Father Bob Garan. Yeah. He was on TV, right, Uh, on Channel 7. Yes, he would have this uh, late night, uh, something Mm -hmm. like uh, 15-minute show. One, One of his earlier shows, I was there. <laughs> oh my god. 
Oh my God. Say it. Say it, Bill. <laughs> this is the, the, the proper forum for that. <laughs> and uh, if you could remember, what was it that uh, you talked about? Well, um, what we did, what Father Bob did was he started a speaker's bureau of kids uh, like myself. Uh, there were a bunch of us um, fresh out of high school. Some, some of us were just new starting uh, college, but he, he, we got into, he got us into this group and then he he first he educated us. Uh, we went through classes on the nature of drug abuse, the pharmacology of drug abuse, and he taught us. Uh, he taught us how it starts, how how it and when it enters your body, how it gets circulated, and then he taught us about the street names of the various drugs mm. and how people get uh, attracted to it, and because. Because at that time, of course, uh, the, the, the drugs uh, were, of course, very attractive to young people. So he wanted young people to talk to other young people about the dangers of drug abuse. That's how I got involved. So we went from school to school. Um, and um, he somehow managed to get time in the schools so that we can go to the classes and speak about the dangers of drug abuse. So I was there for not really a long time, but, um, but I was there for maybe a close to a year. And um, we've gone even up to the provinces uh, in Isabella. Um, the lecturing about the dangers of drug abuse. Yes, and that's that's more the region in the north, right? Bill? Right. Yeah. yeah, north of the city of Manila, right? Yeah, yeah, in the Big Island, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my God, Bill! I mean, uh, that experience is really close to where we are right now you know, uh, close to what we want to uh, and what we want to promote, the mm -hmm. message that we want to promote in this yeah. podcast series, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, your experience, like peer, shall we say, peer group uh, messaging, right? Mm -hmm. um, peer group uh, uh positive influence, you know. So uh, these are invaluable experiences and valuable lessons, not only in substance abuse prevention, but in promoting total health and wellness yes. among people and community. Ubuntu, right? Right, Ubuntu, yes. Ubuntu, <laughs> Bishop Desmond Tutu. And, right. and, and if I may repeat it, it's uh, what I am, therefore we are. 
I am because we are. I am because we, we are. are. Yes. So uh, let our acts, let our examples, and let our experiences in the acts of kindness resonate to everyone, to the community, to our neighborhood, to our cities, to the nation, and to the world, so that we, so that each one of us will say, I am because we are. Yes. Thank you for the lessons, Bill. (laughs) Thank you for today, you know. Thank you for this wisdom, you know. It may just, this podcast with you may just run for several minutes, but it meant a lifetime of lesson. Thank you for having me. You've given us a lifetime of lessons, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope we can have you once again, you know, to have this kind of conversation on our podcast. So today we are so honored to have with us Mr. William Lasarte. And so we momentarily bring to a close this podcast series, What It Means to Love Under Prevention 365. Join us on Wednesdays on the Believe Network, on Spotify, and Apple, and also on the ADAP YouTube channel. That is A-A-D-A-P, People Need People. Thank you very much, Mr. Bill Lasarte. Thank you very much to our listeners. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.